0: You were listening to a message from The Exchange in Pearl, Mississippi. To find out more about The Exchange, go to www.theexchange.cc. Today, though, we're closing out a uh, just two-part series called Overflow. If you were here last week, uh, man, Matthew Stevens, our student care pastor, did a great job of leading us into this series, and he talked about God's call on us to serve other people uh, that's where he started. He said, even, man, there's a call by God to lo- know how to love yourself, how to, how to view yourself and God's identity. Um, but he said, the only way that happens, this was the kind of the, the kicker, the only way that happens is understanding God's great love for you. Okay? If you're just trying to love other people and take care of yourself on your own, all right, it may last for a little while, but Matthew helped us see, man, it's out of the overflow of knowing God's great love, that that endless source, that we're able to live that out. And so today, we're going to conclude those conversations, but also keep them going. Uh, Last week, I wasn't with you, and so took part of our spring break uh, while my daughter was on a mission trip. My wife and my nine-year-old son and I, uh, we went out of town just for a couple of days up to Chattanooga, Tennessee. Anybody been done Chattanooga before? Choo-choo. Okay, all right. Um, some of you done that. We, we did all the little things that we could cram into a couple of days. We did Ruby Falls and Lookout Mountain and the Incline Railway. Anybody done that? Okay. My prayer life never been so good as that 10 minutes right there. Um, I thought it was actually going to heaven. I thought that's where we stopped. Um, <laughs> And it was, if you were wondering, it's straight up and down, okay? That's how you get to heaven, apparently. Uh, but man, we're here. We made it. Whew, that was good. Um, but it, it was fun, man. But you know, every vacation, you got to come home at some point. And so we did that. And last night of our trip, it was kind of funny. My nine year old, he starts kind of getting a little upset. And we're like, dude, what's going on, buddy? Like, haven't you had fun? Good time? We've done lots of good stuff. And he was like, well, you know what, dad? He's like, you know what the worst part of every trip is? And I was like, no, what's that? And he was like, it's got to end. And I was like, Yep, you're right. Every every trip does have to end. Okay, we don't live on a forever vacation, and so uh, it was kind of a, a funny but bittersweet moment. But you know, I thought about it. Like we we've all been there, hadn't we? Right. Every every great trip uh, comes to an end. Every great experience it ends at some point. You go on a vacation. Every great season. Sometimes relationships. Right? They they all come to an end. You know what happens at the end? It's kind of like our drive back from Chattanooga. It's like, well, I mean, what's next? Okay. Like, what next? What's going, what's going to fulfill us next? What can we chase next? And if we're not careful, we can actually live all of life without even realizing it, just chasing what's next, chasing what will fulfill us next, that next season experience, moment, concert, event, trip, just hoping that will somehow fulfill us. And you know, oftentimes, uh, we just live feeling empty. Maybe that next thing does come, but it's not everything we wanted it to be. Maybe it doesn't show up. The next relationship doesn't reveal itself. And if we're real honest, we, we can live this life with so much thing, so many things going on, and we can really live life empty. And maybe even for some of you today, like you came into the church gathering in this room, online, wherever you are, and like, that's you. And I'm, I'm not asking you to raise your hand or tell your neighbor, but man, you, you feel an emptiness even inside of you. Can I just say this? you you be a good church-going person proclaiming to be a Christian, and you can still find yourself living really empty, kind of in a desolate place and dry. And so today... As we kind of conclude this series, I want to talk about what it looks like to move from, from empty all right, to overflowing, okay? From empty to overflowing. We're going to use God's Word to do that. So if you have a copy of Scripture, go to 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2 is towards the end of your Bible, if you've got a physical copy, or at the bottom of the scroll, if you're using the Bible app today. Uh, we'll look at some other passages, but 1 John 2 is kind of our foundational text. And if you've got a copy of Scripture, I'd love for you to be there. If you don't, we'll put some verses on the screen. You know, in our, our physical bodies, we know what to do if we get thirsty, right? That's a pretty logical thing. You get some water. Now, soda doesn't always really do the trick, okay? And I know I got some do-the-do people, all right? And so, like, you can do the do, but, like, at some point, you're going to need some water, okay? Uh, some of you need some water, like, now, okay? Seven a day is a little much, okay? Draw the line. Um, but, like, water is what replenishes us, right? It's what satisfies us so that we don't end up dehydrated, uh, dehydration is a really big problem, right? Especially if you don't have enough water in you. I remember uh, my junior year of high school, I played basketball for my school, and uh, we had finished uh, a game, all right? And I I don't know, I dropped like 50 or something like that. And um okay, you don't believe me. Uh, I didn't. Uh, And so, man... (laughs) Got home, showered, did homework, got in the bed, and, like, I was just so uncomfortable. I was aching all over, moaning. I was thirsty, like, drinking, but it wouldn't go away, and, um, man, I was, I was miserable trying to go to sleep, and eventually my parents end up in there, and they're trying to take care of me, and as they watch my symptoms, they realize, they were like, you're dehydrated, all right? You, you didn't drink enough tonight, all right? And I'm like, man, coach pushed me too hard. Uh, no, not really, but I was dehydrated. Thankfully, they were able to hydrate me, no severe side effects at that point, But we all know, man, if you get severely dehydrated enough, you in trouble. Right, the symptoms can be really intense. Maybe you've been there before, cared for somebody who was, and we want to avoid dehydration symptoms if at all possible. Right. So if you're sick, okay, what does Mama tell you to do? I mean, get some liquids. Okay, all right. Or if you're working outside in the summer or job site and it's 100,000 degrees in Mississippi, you know, mean, I got to take a big canteen of water with me to hydrate. Dehydration. If you've never had it, like there's some pretty intense side effects that come with it. Um, like there's that unquenchable thirst. Like you just you can't make it go away. Um, I'm irritable. Okay, some of you irritable even without being dehydrated. We won't call you out, but um, man, you could be fatigued. All right, fatigue comes with it. Confusion, weakness. There's all these things that come when we are physically dehydrated, but but we know what to do to fix it. All right, we hydrate. We get some water in us. But I say all that to say this: Do you know what to do when your own um, soul feels empty? Like, not physically, but do you, do you know what to do when your, your spirit feels dried up? Because chances are, some of you, that would be the more accurate description. You're not physically dehydrated, but your spirit is dry. Now, we try to combat that in a lot of different ways. The natural thing to do, especially in our self-help, self-made culture, be good enough, okay, is just like, well, I'll, I'll fix it, right? I'll, I'll fix it. I know what I'll do. Um, I'll get some me time. You said that one before? I have. Um, man, if I if I just if I get Netflix and a blanket and the couch, okay, right, that, that would fix it. I I just binge my dryness and my emptiness away. Or maybe if you're a female, it's like man, go get my nails done, or go shopping, or hang with the girls. Or if you're a guy, it's man, i will get in the woods or get on the lake and we chase those things. going, if I if I could just ha- get some downtime, make some margin for that, then it would it that would fulfill me, all right, and that would help that dryness that I'm feeling. Or maybe you're maybe kind of like me and it's, it's all about achieving sometimes and you just think, man, if I, could just, if I could knock out that next big accomplishment, maybe it's at work. There's that project that I really want to do at the house, at work. And if I could just do that and check that out, man, life would be good and that kind of that void inside of me would be quenched. Or, or maybe for some of you it's relationships. Okay, I mean, relationships can be great things, but you think, well, I need, I need that relationship with, with my spouse or with that person I'm dating or, or whatever that relationship, I need that to be something for me, that, that that's going to quench me somehow, just that, that emptiness inside of me, or maybe for some of you, it's a, it's a substance, whether that's legal or illegal. For some people, man, we overindulge in food, Okay. Um, or we're looking this emptiness to be fulfilled somehow, or maybe, maybe for you, I don't know, maybe it's like you live for the weekend. Right? Man, Friday can't come fast enough, or it's the day off. And if I could just get to the weekend, then like that void I felt all week, that dryness and emptiness I felt at work, then the weekend will cure it because we can have a night out or, or whatever it is that you fulfill it with. You see, these things that we experience, here's the deal, kind of like my trip to Chattanooga, they don't last They don't fully last. They might actually satisfy. Hear me? They might actually satisfy for a minute. Like, I I love me a good piece of cake, okay? And, like, there's a lot of different kinds. I love me a good piece of cake. And it's good. And it can satisfy me for a minute. Come on, all right? But then when I overdo it by 10 bites into the icing, all right, it ain't everything it was cracked up to be. And ultimately, I'm not fully satisfied. And the problem is, church, when we're living life filled with this constant emptiness, this dryness, it's because we're often trying to fulfill that thirst with things that are temporary. And and Jesus says very clearly in scripture, he says, the temporary things are not the lasting things. And they're, they're not the things that will fully quench that thing that's inside of you, that emptiness, that dryness inside of you. Some of them, don't miss it, some of them can even be good things, they can be good things, but the problem is when we begin to look to them as our source. And that's where I want us to kind of unpack today as we look at 1 John 2 for a moment. 1 John chapter 2, I want us to just read three verses from 1 John 2. It uh, starts in verse 15, and it says this. John writes in his letter, it says, "'Do not love the world or anything in the world.'" If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. Verse 16. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, and everything can be summed up under those three headings. They all come not from the Father, okay, not from God, but from the world. Verse 17. The world and its desires pass away. We're going to get there today. But whoever does the will of God lives forever. Okay, great verses. Chances are, if you've done the church thing long enough, you have heard those verses before. But let's, let's make sure we're all on the same page in understanding them. what does it mean that we're not supposed to love the world? I mean, doesn't Scripture say it in our favorite verse, God so loved the world, okay, that he gave? What, what does this mean, the world? Well, when the Bible refers to the world, there's really two different ways that it could refer to it. One is God's creation, okay? Everything that he's made, you, me, creation, humanity, six days, made it all, and he said, it's good. And, and he actually, he gave his son for it, okay? He created it, he loved it, he came for it to die for it. So that's one definition of world. A second kind of idea and, and perspective of world, which is what this text is referencing, um, is really the, world, uh, the word worldliness, Okay. Or, or we could sum it up this way. This is the clearest way to understand it. It's how we view and live life through our sin nature. Right? Say that again so you get it, okay? This definition of world is it's how we view and live life through our sin nature, okay? And all of us do that, right? It's, it's this flesh that we live in. A worldly mind looks like this. A worldly mind, self-focused, um, it's self-righteous, Um, it's self-indulgent. And that word indulgent kind of makes it sound like, well, I'm fulfilled in that. But it's actually, self-indulgent isn't really fulfilled because you're really just living for you. And you're not living to to honor or serve others. You're certainly not living to honor God or to have him honor you. That's the worldliness that John says, hey, don't fall in love with that. It's going to be easy to, but don't fall in love with that. Now, why do we not love the world? Because just being real today, sometimes I'm guilty of loving the world. All right. I, like, I can have a good day and love some things of the world. So what what is John saying here? Well, the Greek word for this word love in this verse is agapao. Okay. Could you just say that with me? Agapao? Good. I didn't even know you knew Greek. Okay. That's great. All right. Agapao. Now this is a verb. It comes from the noun that maybe some of you are familiar with, agape, which is the love that God has for us. Now, here's, here's what you got to know. This word agapao, all right, this definition of love, it's an act of our will, okay? It's when you or I choose and prefer to highly value and place pleasure in a person or thing, all right? That's agapao. Um, it's, it's a good thing for us. Don't miss this. It's a good thing for us that God would have agape, that he would choose us, that he would love us. I mean, that changed like all of eternity, okay? We sang a while ago because of God's agape love for us. Like, that's a great thing. The problem for us lies in when we agapao, okay? And we begin to prefer and choose and highly value and pleasure in the things of the world, over our creator and God, okay? But preference is the key word here. That's what you have to understand. Preference. We actively choose, and this is what this kind of love actively does. And John just says, hey, be careful. Be careful. We often, if we're honest today, we often actively look to the things of the world to be our source, even sometimes without knowing it. We look for them to be our source. And scripture says, be careful because John said it. It's also in other parts of scripture. He says, all this stuff out there, it's passing away. It's temporary. In fact, let me show you one verse, Ecclesiastes chapter one, verse 14. You don't believe it, look at it on the screen. He says, I've seen all the things that are done under the sun, all the stuff, all right? All of them are, what is that word? Meaningless. You serious? Yeah. All of them are meaningless. They're all a chasing after the wind. Don't miss that phrase. It's so good. A chasing after the wind. Scripture says when we actively choose and prefer the world, ourself, all the things of the world, we're grasping at something, here it is, that's not real. We, we believe it's there. The world says it's there. The world says, chase that thing. But when we grasp it, it's, it's a chasing after the wind. And as a little boy, I chased the wind a lot, but I never caught it. And ultimately, what it is, is it's an illusion. It's an illusion. ever seen a good illusionist before? Man, they'll make you believe that junk's real, right? But your question is, how did, how did, you, how did you do it? Because you, you know it's not. But an illusion, the, the core of an illusion, you know what it is? To be deceived. That's what it is. You know what the core of the enemy's strategy against us is? <gasps> to deceive us. To make us believe it's real, so we'll chase it, so we'll give our lives for it, so we'll put our passion and pleasures into it, only to reach out and find it's never really there. It's actually temporary. And so John says, hey, don't fall in love with this. And more specifically, as followers of Jesus, you know what happens when we chase illusion? You know what it makes us? Less and less effective. Effective. And this is exactly what happened very beginning of Scripture. You read Genesis 3 before? God created the first two people, Adam and Eve. He put them in the garden, and they fell for the illusion. They fell for the illusion that there would be something more, something in that forbidden tree that God had not provided. But if you read the story, God says, I've given you everything you need. And it was perfect. But they fell for the deception. The church has done it throughout history. God's people did it. Old Testament, the Israelites. You read that narrative before. Um, these are God's words. Old Testament, spoken through His prophet Jeremiah. He speaks this to His people. Listen how like personal, and God sounds slightly irritated with His people in this moment. Jeremiah chapter two, verse eleven. He says, "But my people have exchanged. They have agapa'od, All right, they've placed something else up. They've exchanged their glorious God for worthless." idols. He says, be, like, be appalled at this, you heaven. Shudder with great horror, declares the Lord. Another translation says, be afraid. In other words, God's serious at what he's saying. He's not just shooting air, but he's believing what he's saying. He says, my people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me, the spring of living water, and they've dug their own cisterns that are broken cisterns that cannot hold water. What had God's people done? They'd gone, they dug, they'd made these cisterns, and they began to make these cisterns out of trying to create life from maybe what was in their culture, what they'd experienced, what they'd read on Facebook, what their friends had told them at the workplace. They begin to try to create what was fulfilling out of something that wasn't really life. Now, Jeremiah used that word cistern, okay? Some of us have no idea what a cistern is, all right? And so let's get on the same page. A cistern is just a water storage container. Okay. Some of them back in the old day, like very, very big. Here's what you got to know the difference. A cistern holds water, but it's not a source of water. You got me? Cistern holds it, but it can't produce it. Now, we all know that you can tap underground in a well and you can find the source of water and it, it produces it out. But what God is saying here is that you're living your life for a broken cistern that can maybe hold water, but it can't produce it. And God's saying to his people and maybe even to his people today, I believe, he says, these cisterns that you chase, he says, they have become your idol. And he said, this is a picture of your heart that's been captivated. Maybe you didn't even know it, but it's been captivated and you've wandered off and you're looking for fulfillment in things that can't truly fulfill. Some of you, you hear that today and you go, that's really bad. Like that's, like people of the Old Testament, they worship the idols and they bow down to them and they built them and all that. Like, oh man, what, but what, what does that have to do with me? Because I don't. I don't worship idols, right? Like I'm, I'm in church today. I believe in God. Clearly this isn't me. But I think if we're honest enough, real enough, man, it's, isn't it easy? It's so easy for, for our heart and our flesh to be pulled into these broken cisterns, believing, believing somehow that even in their temporary nature, that they would fulfill that emptiness and that dryness that's inside of me. And in the New Testament, guess what? Same problem. And, and Paul, who's a pretty straight shooter, he, he wrote to them, and he said some things. I'll just summarize it in Rankin County version. He was like, guys, you need to grow up. That's what he told them. Guys, you, you need to, you're still acting worldly. You're still fighting. You're still um, living jealous. You're still quarreling. Some of you are going, well, I'll follow this guy, but I like this guy. And he's like, come on, man. You, you're a new creation in Christ, but you're living like the world. I think maybe he could even say that to us today, too. See, that was the truth for them, and it's still the truth today. And even as, as proclaiming Christians, all right? we should know better. We sing it like we know better. But if we're honest, man, we can still chase the illusion. Just looking, looking for that thing. When God says, no, 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 listen, listen, I, I created you, I made you, I know you, I redeemed you, I'm the source, but we chase the broken cisterns. And so, like, I thought today, maybe help you just to learn. I could give you a few visuals today. Um, and so I brought my own version of broken cisterns. And so um, each one of these is just really going to kind of represent something. For some of us, um, it's relationships. Okay? And l- hear me. Relationships are great. Like, we believe that God created us for relationships. We tell you that all the time. Okay? Relationships are good. God puts those in your life. They are good gifts. But listen, the problem becomes when we look for those relationships to be what fulfills us most, okay? Let's get real. Like, um, even your spouse. God-given, God-ordained marriage, but some of, you, some of you are creating expectations for your spouse to fulfill you in ways that they as a sinful, broken being cannot. And if he just do a little more around the house, if she just submit to me a little more, whatever you're thinking, listen, the, like they, they can't complete you the way that the source can. They, they, they can't fulfill you in that way. So like let go of some of those expectations. Um, for some of you, I mean, it's, some of you, it's your kids. I'm a dad. I go to the ball field, and I watch parents just vicariously live their life through their kids, right? If my kid could just, if he could just be good enough, my daughter, just that she made better grades, or she looked this way, or she, they got to this school, or they had this kind of job, and whatever your thing is that you fill in the blank. And we, what is that? That's, that's chasing the broken sister and going, if this relationship could fill that void inside of me, it's really my thing, but I'm putting it on the relationship. And man, it could be friends, it could be a, a romantic dating relationship. Man, if, if he would just notice me, all right? In fact, I just get her to, to whatever, man, fulfill me. And At the end of the day, I mean, it's, it's a broken cistern that won't fully fulfill. Um, got another one. This one kind of gets personal. And this, one's, uh, this one kind of represents work, right? Just on the go. Fill up the Keurig in the morning, pour it in here, and out the door. And work's great. I think work's a God-given thing. I mean, you're called to provide for your family, no doubt. Um, but at the same time, man, how quickly we can lose our identity in our work, right? Especially for my fellows. Man, we live with that, like, accomplishment mindset. If I could just get that other project, that one step up the ladder at the company, at the job site, somebody would notice another zero on the check. We can, we can chase after that, just going like, it'll fulfill, it'll fulfill, a few more hours, Right? It may for a season. You may you may feel like the man, or the woman, right? But man, at the at the end of the day, again, trust me, it all goes back in the box when we breathe no more, and it's it's a broken cistern. But man, some of us chase it, don't we? Um, got another one. This this will be fun. I didn't have to say anything, did I? You know. Really, this one I just I just labeled it with just pleasures. Um, and listen to me, I, mean, it's, I know what this represents in our culture, but it's it's not all about a party, okay? Um, but it's just man, we live this life or the cistern of anything that'll give me a good time. That's it. It's pleasures, and uh, man, whatever it is, it's the hobby, getting in the woods, on the lake, the ball field. Um, maybe maybe that'll fulfill me, or whatever your pleasure is that you chase. Maybe it's been binging your life away. Get into the weekend, maybe it is a party or a substance. It's just, it's entertain me, entertain me. Give, give me something else. And listen, I'm not, I'm not saying you don't deserve some downtime, okay? God calls us to rest and refresh, but I'm just saying if, if you live this whole thing and you get to the end and you've, you've tried to chase this cup, it's it, it, you'll find it's a broken cistern because it, it will never have fully fulfilled, right? When you get back from the trip, it's what now? And, and we chase after... After the pleasures, um, there's one more, and I intentionally made it green, because this one, is kind of labeled as security, right? Don't, don't we all want to feel secure, like in, in your marriage, in your family, at your workplace? I mean, we, we desire security, and in, in our culture that we live in, security a lot of times connects back to what, mainly? Money. If I could have, if I could have a little bit more, we could breathe, Right? Wouldn't be month to month anymore. And so what happens is, without even realizing it, what happens is we begin to chase. Not sure what that is. I believe they're doing some work next door. I'm going to ask for a moment. Could you guys ask them just to pause for another about 15 minutes? That'd be awesome. Cool. For those of you online, it was a really loud noise. Somebody was sawing next door. Okay. But I think there's a, there's a chase for security, okay? And um, here's the scary part that really begins to affect you at your house and your relationships is when you, um, when you push aside family in pursuit of a little more to have that security. And when you... It's really loud. <laughs> really loud. Or maybe you go into debt just to... Man, if I could have the more, because it provides the a security. And maybe, maybe you've arrived, some of you, I man, you're riding into the sunset. You, you've arrived at the point that a lot of our culture would say, that is a level of security. And you wake up every day, and you don't realize, but you're, you put your hope in it. And you watch the news, because when the news changes, you know what that could do to what you've got. And we just, we chase after that, again, a broken cistern. You know, I could, I could keep pulling cups out over and over um, because all of those things are things that we can chase. And now hear me, okay? Remember what I said a while ago? It's not that all those things are, are bad things. Some of them can be good things. I think some of them are even good things, they're gifts, they're blessings that God can, can give and put into our life. But the problem is when we start to seek the gift and not the giver that's where the tension lies. And that's where most of us are are caught into. Ultimately, these things, work, relationships, creation, you know what? Ultimately, those things were put into our lives to do, to point us to our great need for the creator. That's it. They're not the prize. They're not the source. God says they're, they're broken. Don't live your life for them. But man, realize I am the true and living source. I believe God is bringing this message into this moment for some of you here in our room and our overflow seating and our online gathering. Listen, he's bringing this. And you go like, I don't worship worthless idols. I'm not Jeremiah in the Old Testament. But I believe that today he put you in this moment. He, he knew you were gonna be here because he knew that there's some of us who've, who've wandered off. And today, maybe you're realizing through a silly illustration with some co-ops that instead of following and pursuing Jesus, watch this, wholeheartedly, because he doesn't call us to partial surrender, but it's a full surrender. Instead of following in Jesus wholeheartedly, you've, you've really, if you're honest, listen to me, you've really just been living for the kingdom of you, the kingdom of, of, of me. And you've preferred, you've Agapa ode, all right? You've preferred and placed up and highly valued, maybe even some good things of the world to try to fulfill that emptiness and that dryness, that stillness in you. And can I tell you what's the end product of that? Hear me. What you're doing is you're slowly emptying yourself. You're slowly depleting yourself of what's truly life, what you really long for. And so how, how do we feel that emptiness? If you've got it, and a lot of us do, we've all been there at some point, I wanna, wanna help you real quick, two quick answers from God's word as we land today. How, how do you feel that emptiness? Okay? It's possible, I believe, to move from empty. Some of you, got, the light is on empty, okay? And it, the car doesn't read any miles anymore. It's just dash, dash, and you guessing how long you got. And maybe today, you're empty, but God, God can move that to a place of overflowing. And I think even in these moments together in this room and on, online, like the Holy Spirit, watch this, the Holy Spirit's so faithful that man, if there's a level of conviction, even right now, that's not me, but that's the Holy Spirit speaking to you. And so here, listen, here's all I'm asking, encouraging you to do as another follow of Jesus is that you just go, okay, God, I'm listening. God, I'm listening. Okay. So what, what do you do? What do you do if you're at that place of empty, maybe the broken sister in Jew? You ready? First, repent and humble yourself before God. Okay, sounds kind of churchy. Let me make it make sense. Repent, humble yourself before God. You choose humility. What does that mean? Just acknowledge you don't have all the answers. For some of us, that's really hard. You think you'd a man. And I'm just saying you ain't, and I ain't either. <laughs> so I'm saying choose humility and repent. What does that mean? Just means turn just means turn. We, we go to him like James 4 says. Listen how, to listen how James speaks this. Let this resonate with you. James 4 verse 4 it says this, do you not know that friendship with the world, that love of the world, all right, is enmity with God. Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world, whoever prefers and chases the broken cisterns of the world, all right, does what? They make himself an enemy of God. I'm not an enemy of God. I believe in him. I go to church. But he says, what is, what is the source? What are you connected up to? Or do you think that the scripture says in vain that the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously? What does that mean? That means that God's jealous for your heart. He says, I created you, I know you, I sustain you, I woke you up, I know the number of hairs on your head, I know how to get through the trial that you're in, but you keep chasing the broken cistern. Why? I'm jealous for you to walk with me. Verse six, but he gives more grace. There's good news today. In other words, he knew we were gonna chase the broken cistern and he gives grace, which is maybe why you're sitting here right now because he says i'm giving you a second chance to hook your life up to something else and he says god resists the proud but god gives grace to the who the humble therefore what should i do well therefore submit to god stop leading yourself submit to him resist the devil cuz he's real and he will flee from you you telling me that could happen that's what the word says so what do I do? So I draw near to God and He will do what? He'll ignore you? No. He, he will draw near to you. Church, that's the solution. We draw from we don't draw from the empty cisterns of the world, but we draw from Him, and He supplies. And He moves us from empty to the overflow of walking in God's spirit. Okay, we repent, we humble ourselves before God. What, what's the second thing we do? How do we feel that emptiness? We live from the right source. That's it. We live from the right source. Who's the right source? The Holy Spirit. I heard about the Holy Spirit, but I don't know about him a whole lot. Okay, listen, here's the beauty of scripture. Scripture says when you surrender yourself to him, guess what you get? What's the gift? The Holy Spirit, God's spirit, in you, same spirit that was there on Easter morning that kicked out the stone and walked him out of the tomb. Guess what? Same spirit alive in you. Amen. What does he do? Well, he serves as your source and as a reminder. And man, we know we need a reminder because we forget like by Monday morning at eight. What, what does he remind us of? He'll remind you of your calling. He, he'll wake you up and remind you tomorrow that your calling is to live Holy. To live in this world, but not of this world. He'll, He'll remind you of that. Trust me, he's done it to me over and over. Holy Spirit will remind us that we should walk by faith, walk and live by faith, and not by fear. Some of you are captivated, you're paralyzed by fear. Your bank account, your marriage, your job, your kids, whatever it is. I mean, you don't tell nobody, but like you wake up in fear. And guess what the Holy Spirit does? He wakes up with you on Monday and he goes, listen, that ain't who you are. And I'm, I'm telling you, there's promises from God's word. You sang yesterday, you built your life on a firm foundation, and today you're acting like there ain't a foundation. And so I'm reminding you that you're a person of faith, that the spirit is in you, and he's a reminder for you. And you got God's word and God's spirit that's a source of truth for you that you can build your life on, and it ain't gonna shake. The spirit reminds us of that when we're connected to him. He reminds us to view God's people as the object of God's great compassion, They're not your enemy. It's not the annoying coworker. It's not your spouse that won't do what you want them to do, but they're God's creation, and you're called to reflect his image if you say you're in him. And guess what the spirit will do? He'll call you out on it. And then he'll help you with the patience and the boldness and the grace to do it. The spirit in us, we live from the right source. These cisterns can't do that but the Spirit alive in you can. Paul, who knew what it meant to live by the Spirit, he gives us this powerful reminder. Look at this. Love this verse. Galatians 5.16. He says, "'So I say, walk by the Spirit, "'and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh.'" You telling me I can turn it off? I don't have to give into that? I don't have to chase that? I don't have to seek my fulfillment? I don't have to figure out how to be accepted and belong with them, with that, do that thing? That's what the Word says. The Spirit in you can help you in that. Church, listen, you can live empty, and a lot of people are, but the dehydration symptoms that come with that, they're not just physical, but I believe they're spiritual. They're spiritual. And when you live in this world, you're thirsty and dried up, but when you live life by the Holy Spirit, you can live in the overflow. You can live in the overflow. And so I want to kind of show you a comparison, give you a visual real quick of the, the physical symptoms of dehydration that are really a spiritual analogy as well. But I wanna show you what happens when you live life and the overflow of the spirit. You ready? Symptoms of dehydration, there's a, there's a thirst, right? That unquenchable thirst that Gatorade can't fix, right? And for some of you today, that's where you are. I mean, you, you're longing for something. There's a thirst inside of you. What does life in the spirit do? It brings contentment and peace that the world can't give. What does what dehydration do? It makes you irritable. And some of you, listen, in all seriousness, man, you, you live life, you wake up with just this low-grade anger or bitterness. You don't really know why. But I'm just telling you that life in the spirit produces in you love and good deeds. you tell telling me it could change my heart and my attitude? That's what I'm telling you. Dehydration produces fatigue. Some of you today are worn, slap out. I hear you, single mom. What does the Spirit do? Man, life in the Spirit brings rest and life and hope. I don't mean it's perfect, but Jesus says, my yoke is easy, my burden's light. Man, come, come walk with me. I know you. Dehydration makes us confused. Some of you, the only reason you're here today or watching online is because you're just looking for some answers, okay? What does life in the Spirit do? Well, it gives you the mind of Christ. You serious? That's what the Word says. Mind of Christ reminds you you're a person of faith. It may not always make sense, but he's with you. He walks with you. Symptoms of dehydration, weakness. And some of you today, man, you've arrived at the end. You realize you're tired and incapable. I can't anymore. That's good, because life in the Spirit gives you joy and strength. Can I tell you something, though? All of those things, you know what they are? It's a choice. It's a choice. And some of you today are just going... I'm all right to keep living over there. I'm gonna keep, I'm gonna keep put, pulling up my bootstraps and I'm gonna keep chasing the broken cisterns and maybe that'll, it's gonna get there, I promise. The promotion, it'll help it when I, get, when I get that relationship, when I get married. I'm just saying today, he says, man, stop drawing from the world and draw from me. Man, let me be what fulfills you. Watch this, here's what Jesus said, Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, verse six. He says, blessed. Man, our culture chases what that looks like, right? Well, here's what Jesus said. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be, you tell me what it says. They'll be filled. Maybe the the greatest verse is I wrestle with this truth this week. I love how the psalmist says it. Maybe this is how you feel today. Psalm 63, watch this. Psalm 63, verse one. The psalmist says, you God, you God, you, you are my God. And earnestly, I seek you. Look at this verbiage. I thirst for you. Like I wake up on Tuesday and I'm craving you. I thirst for you. My whole being, it's not what I do on Sundays. Like it is who I am. I long for you. My whole being longs for you. In a dry and parched land where there is no water. That's where some of you feel like life is. And he's just saying, it ain't. it's not where you got to stay. He says, I've seen you in the sanctuary, all right? I have beheld your power. I know your glory. And because your love is better than life, man, my lips are going to glorify you. I'm going to praise you as long as I live. He's tasted now. He's connected to the source. That's how he's saying that. I will praise you as long as I live. And in your name, I'll lift up my hands. That's why we did that a while ago, because we're connected to the source. And he's what fills us. And there's a response out of that. He says, I will be fully satisfied you telling me that's possible? I'm saying it's possible. As with the richest of foods and with singing lips, my mouth will praise you. Church, the opposite of loving the world is to seek and love and delight in God's word and his ways. It is that simple. That's where fulfillment and joy and life are found. So if you feel empty today, what what, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? Man, just Humbly, repent, turn from the broken cisterns and connect your life up to the source that is the right source, the one that can fulfill you and begin to disconnect, maybe even, hear me, maybe even from some of the good things that you've gone to to try to be the thing. And Jesus says today, man, realize, realize, I'm the one that can be the source that gives you the life and the hope and the joy and the purpose that you so desperately long for. Thanks for listening to this message from The Exchange. If you would like to talk to someone about your faith journey, you can contact us through our website, www.theexchange.cc, or by calling or texting 601-397-6111. Now let's go be the church.